Welcome back to another episode of A Desi Woman Podcast. I am your host, Sonia Gokwai, and the voices I am seeking may have never been heard before, but their stories deserve to be told. What is a Desi Woman? She is a dynamic, fearless, and strong woman. She is your mother, your grandmother, your daughter, your sister. She is every one of us who is on an endless pursuit of self-empowerment and fulfillment. I am Sonia Gokhlai, and I am a Desi woman. Hello, and welcome to another edition of A Desi Woman Podcast. I am your host, Sonia Gokhlai, and today we are so excited to be joined by the superstar chef from season 18 of the Bravo hit Top Chef, Avisha Dani Barua. Born in Columbus, Ohio, to immigrant parents who left Bangladesh in search of better opportunities in the United States, Avishar is a graduate of the Columbus Academy in Columbus, Ohio, and he pursued his true passion of cooking after getting his bachelor's degrees in biology and psychology at The Ohio State University. After attending culinary school, he went to New York City and trained under renowned chef Wiley Dufresne at Michelin-starred WD-50. He returned to Ohio to open Service Bar for Middle West Spirits, a local grain-to-glass distiller, where he has since gained national recognition from Food and Wine magazine for his signature dish, the Cheesy Brisket Crunch. Danny is the executive chef and general manager of Service Bar in Columbus, Ohio. Danny, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, we are so excited to speak with you today. And, you know, in reading several interviews about you, I had to chuckle because you mentioned that you wholly anticipated that your future career endeavors would include you wearing a white coat every day. And of course, for those of us from the South Asian community and our diaspora, this resonates so deeply because we are absolutely encouraged, maybe even coerced, (laughs) to (laughs) pursue career paths in medicine, engineering, and STEM categories. And I really love that shout out to our culture and its biases, but would really like to hear more from you about this. And I should offer for our listeners that, of course, there's a huge focus upon education among South Asians and especially those who immigrated to this country. And you grew up in Gahanna, Ohio, and attended a rigorous and highly respected private school, the Columbus Academy, which unquestionably prepares young minds for demanding academic and vocational paths of all kinds. But if you could tell me more about this experience as you look back on it now and how it prepared you for some of the competitive nature of what you do. Sure. I'll try and summarize it because I, mean, I could talk probably for hours about this or days. Yeah, trying to shorten my entire life into a few minutes is, is difficult, but uh, I can make it make it pretty straightforward. When I went to academy, obviously we went we went there with my brother and I were put in there because my parents wanted us to to have a I guess higher op- education opportunities. They wanted kind of the best for their kids because they did emigrate from Bangladesh. My dad studied medicine and became a doctor, and um, I kind of think their mindset was, hey, what can we do to prevent our kids from kind of going through what we went through? So, of course, they, they put us there and uh, it was difficult because, uh, you know, although I was born in America, uh, my parents were not. So uh, cultural changes are, are difficult to kind of process. And, you know, some things you don't learn properly, like, you know, so some, some of the American habits I had to kind of learn from my friends, uh, which I didn't have very many of. So some of them would make fun of me and uh, teach me bad habits um, and such. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have the luxury of going back to my parents and be like, hey, is this right or wrong? I would just know because they'd be like mad. It's so, like, that's a bad word. Don't say that, you know. 
<laughs> no, I, I totally get it as a product of an all-girls private school in Columbus, Columbus School for Girls, before Academy went co-ed, that, you know, they basically, girls went there and, and, and many South Asian families would choose to send their sons to the Columbus Academy. And, you know, not being surrounded by many young women from our background or culture. And so I get it. It's add to that the stressors of a prep school and associated expectations from our oh, yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was a pathway for sure. It was like, a, I guess, a, yeah, an early investment with a high ROI was, I think, their mindset. <laughs> like, <laughs> we put them through the private school, they'll become the doctors and everything will be okay. So <laughs> Exactly. And I really appreciate your candor when you described the immense pressures that you faced with being raised by a father who was a physician and how that pressure only increased for you to consider a career in medicine when your older brother and then sibling opted not to become a doctor. And it was sort of like all eyes are on you. You're going to do it. You have to be a doctor. And you went to Ohio State, the Ohio State University, declared pre-med, but it wasn't something you chose. And you stated it was automatic. It was something you had to do. Now, I have to say, this is so incredibly important. And I really welcome your insights on this, because I think as young people, 18, 19 years old, we think this choice defines our entire life and its trajectory. And while I love our culture and well-intentioned parents and families, the story is so heart-wrenching in some ways. And I think there might be listeners experiencing this right now. So we just love your comments about this as you look back. Sure. I mean, it wasn't an easy decision still to the States, not because sometimes I go, man, probably could have, if I had gone this pathway, you know, maybe I would have had this and that instead of this, this lifestyle, but I chose it and I chose it kind of under, under two, two guises. I, at first I didn't know that I wanted to cook. I just knew that medicine really was not for me. I was always like, you know, we had a lot of pressure around us and we went to a very smart school. So being around everyone that's like smarter than you, it's tough sometimes because you're like, oh, I'm absurdly average or I'm not going to be good enough. I don't have the 4.0. I don't have, you know, I'm not all honors. I don't have all these extracurriculars. And for me, it was difficult to process how anyone could because I don't, I don't know, maybe my, my, my learning style is different or something. But I, I mean, I, I tried my best and I didn't, I just didn't get the results that everyone else did. So it's, that is, that is like, am I defective? Am I just terrible? Like, what, what do I do now? Like, what, how can I get in? Do I have to go to like, you know, do I leave the country and go to another school to find a way back in? Because it's like, you will do whatever, whatever it takes, I guess, if, if you don't have a choice, you just go, this is either, <laughs> this is going to be my life or not. Um, and came to the point where, um, because I wasn't living at home, I kind of lived on campus. I was, you know, cooking and uh, reading cookbooks and exploring other other hobbies. And I saw that this is something that was, you know, really stuck out at me because like, culturally we're known, yeah, for, for coming here and uh, yeah, we'll be, you know, we'll be doctors or, or scientists or, you know, we'll go into any professional field. But what we're really known for, if you go over to India or Bangladesh, is uh, the food, right? First thing you do, you can't show. I'm like, did you eat yet? Like, that's that's so important culturally. And I don't know why until like recently, it's not been like really addresses. That is actually what defines us, I think. Like when you share a meal with someone, it's very, very important. It has a huge, huge impact on people's lives and you can make a difference doing that. And I mean, I think that's that's what's kind of like stuck out at me is um, as much as as much as I want to say, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, you know, like looking at Ochem. I looked uh, you know, like in SN2 reactions a lot. That was really great. Uh, I think I prefer more to go to a Korean restaurant with my friends and eat, you know, and uh, <laughs> or have them over for my, to my parents' house for dinner because, you know, my friends for my friends, yes, because they're my friends, but they're also my mom's friends because they'd come over just they, they didn't want pizza they didn't want anything they just wanted bangla food like straight up they would just eat it with their hands uh they'd eat the spices and they'd have a gallon of milk and it was so awesome to see like wow you guys actually like this this is cool and i think that <laughs> there's a lot more gaps uh, uh for me personally i just I, I like to make emotional connections with people and i do this comparison it's kind of like a can one it's not like a serious one but as a doctor you know you go to a doctor not when you're happy you go to a doctor because you want to take some, some pain away you're like please you know help me i'll pay you a lot of money just just take care of me you know like 
when you go to a restaurant, you're going to have a good time. You're going to celebrate. You're going to, have, you're going to go generate memories. I mean, I think that's something to be said about that. It's not always going to be like, hey, it's financial and you're going to gain this. But you, what you do gain is you gain a lot of people who um, you can change their lives just over a meal. I mean, you know, it's just it's as simple as it starts with a meal. And once you have fed someone, you've done one of the basic needs, right? Food, water, and shelter. You give them all to a restaurant and you can definitely impact them. So, I mean, it was a... Uh, I took that and I weighed that against medicine, which is also very important. But again, like, you know, I'm clumsy. So <laughs> if I mess up as a doctor, it's not so great because I could lose somebody. If I mess up as a chef, it's like, oh, let me I can throw that away. <laughs> or, you know, maybe it's overcooked or something, but it's not completely the end of the world. So although sometimes it does feel that way. Uh, I was going to say the great news is you did discover through some experimentation with cooking Chinese food in college that not only did you have a passion for it, but a growing interest and talent in crafting recipes from scratch on your own. And and I really like this quote. You say, it was nice to see I could do something. And it resulted in something that people liked because with everything else in my life at that time, I was not doing so well. And I think it's so important for people to hear this because ultimately when we do find that talent, that gift, and I believe each of us is uniquely equipped with something, what a different way to exist. And you're right though. That is such a great point that food is so intrinsic to our culture, it just doesn't have that respect. Because like you state, I mean, it's probably the worst thing you could be doing from our culture. And it's yeah, for sure. working in a kitchen. And yeah. yet it's Lakshmi, right? I mean, it's, it's food, it's abundance. It's so intrinsic to our existence. And so I want to hear about how you managed to bring your parents around and, and some bargaining. <laughs> There's no uh, one-sided answer to that one. Actually, it was interesting. I always say like, it's always a work in progress. There's always learning to do. We're never completely completely there. I think they're much more accepting now because uh, I think I, I don't really know what else I can do to, to show that I'm serious about cooking. I've pretty much done everything that I could, I think. But the conversation kind of started with once I graduated from OSU. So basically, I got I got two degrees. I got one in biology and one in psychology. Um, and I know that makes it sound like I'm smart, but I'm not. I just got them both because um, like I really like psychology. So psychology was potentially a set backup career path for me because I was like, oh, psychology would be fun. I can control people's worlds. I can influence them in ways that they can't imagine using brain power. You know, it's pretty cool. Um, and then people <laughs> would always come to me with their problems when I was in like high school or college. And anytime, anytime someone had an issue, they just come and talk to me. And I thought it was cool that I could I could help them with just, just listening to them, not like saying, hey, do this. and just be like, hey, it sounds like this. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And then their day gets better. And it kind of goes back to that. Is, um, I saw that and I said, uh, this could be a career path. And I looked at the pathway and I was like, I'm not sure. I talked to my friends whose parents are psychologists and they said, do not do it if you plan on having any kids <laughs> because uh, the, the, <laughs> your kids might get affected in a way just like, you know, just like being the son of a doctor definitely influences the way that I think about medicine as well. So it's, uh, it's something that I kept in the background. And they're like, well, okay, why don't, why don't you do the psychology thing? You can do that. And I said, I'm not sure I want to do that. I mean, I kind of was running out of options. I was looking around. I was like, what can I do? Um, and there's some dark times, uh, some ex- self-exploring, I guess, where you just go without any direction and, you know, you kind of like look inside yourself. And I saw, I was like, hey, I really enjoy cooking. And I did since college, but it was never like it was so in- ingrained that it's not an option that I never considered it even possible. So when everything else was eliminated and my friends and my other family, they were just like, hey, um, you're cooking a lot. You have a lot of books. You have all this cooking equipment. Like you're either either have an addiction problem uh, with cooking stuff or you should do this for your, <laughs> for your career path. And I said, yeah, well, you know, maybe I will. So I looked online. And I figured my pathway was this. Is my parents always said, whatever you do, make sure you do get education on it, right? That's the other thing is like, you got to get education. You got to go to college for it. You can't just 
do it. It's not, it's not possible. You need to well, learn how to do it yeah. best. <laughs> I like that because I like that segue as well in your story because you, I mean, and for those that aren't aware, I mean, our culture puts a lot of emphasis on just going to the best, pursuing the most elite path. So you did get accepted to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. But interestingly, on trusted advice, you actually decided to forego that route and instead enrolled at Columbus State which I think so many more people need to consider. Four-year universities aren't always the way forward. And they offered a culinary apprenticeship major in cooperation with the American Culinary Federation. So would really enjoy hearing about that experience for you. Sure. It was definitely the pathway that I I preferred because, again, the compromise was if you're going to do it, they were not happy. They said, if you're going to do it, you better go to school for it. And then I was like, okay, so I'll go look at the best school and I'll look at CIA. And that was great. And yeah, it was, uh, it was between that and, you know, going back into a classroom is what the way that I put it. I just got done with, you know, a classroom for the last, you know, 15 years, 16 years of my life. So I was kind of tired of that environment. And I wasn't doing the best in that situation because, again, like classroom learning is so much different than practical learning. That's something that uh, really isn't taught to us that much. Sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm learning these skills and they're just skills. They're not useful for my life. But if you stop for a second, you go, well, actually, like, how was this light bulb made or what did I actually do? You might go, oh, this is an interesting thing that I could, could learn more about and make a difference on because it's an everyday thing. So I saw the, uh, the CIA had a program that was, uh, they had a two-year and a four-year program. Um, they both looked like good programs, but they just weren't for me because I wanted to be like on the field the entire time. I wanted to kind of like, you know, like when you're a doctor, you do residency, you got to be doing stuff. You can't just uh, read the book and then night practicing. That's not how that works. So I looked into ACF's program and they, they said, yeah, basically you have to come to class one day a week, but it's a full day. So you go for the entire like, you know, 13 hours, you're doing a lab. And on top of that, you were working every day outside of that because you need your, you know, 6,000 hours. You need to get your your actual on, on-site training and then your chefs evaluate you. So you're being evaluated on the job on it. But you are doing a real job. So you get paid, which is nice because you can actually kind of pay your way through college. So it gives everyone an opportunity to to learn and see. And by the time you're done with three years, because three years is a long time. But if it's three years of cooking, I think at the end of three years of cooking, you can realize, uh, is this my career path, something I want to do or not? And if something you don't want to do, well, guess what? You paid it off through cooking. So it's done. But uh, if it's something you want to do, you'll know for sure if you like the scripts, the burns, the management, the, you know, becoming a plumber, psychologist, uh, having people scream at you for telling you to do things the way that they want them, even though when they don't, they don't actually know what they want. All those things are some stuff that you learn along the way in the three years. And you can't, I don't, it's difficult to put that into a classroom setting and say that you're going to get this and just looking in the classroom. I mean, you could do some simulators and stuff, but uh, I did appreciate that a lot. It was very difficult. Trust me. Um, it was not easy. A lot of the days you question what you're doing, but uh, what keeps you going is having the drive and saying, hey, this is actually what I want to do. And I actually see the end result and see that at the end of the day, it could just be like one meal that I made. But if that meal made someone's day, then why would you want to do anything else? Well, there's a few moments like in your career, probably many and many more to come that are pretty pivotal. And so you were in New York City and really got to work with a, a renowned chef, Chef Dufresne, Wiley Dufresne. And I just want you to tell me more about that because you basically were at the end of your time. Your lease was coming up in New York City and you sort of just took a chance and reached out to him. And at first they said, nope, no openings. And days later, he approached you during a catering event. And it sort of transformed things for you. And you really came out of it learning a lot. So we'd love to hear more about that from you. Sure. I mean, it was one of those, uh, you hear about these stories all the time, but you never think you're going to be the person that experiences that. So that's, I think that's the one thing that I have learned is you won't experience something that uh, you've read in a book or saw somewhere. But it was, yeah, it's a strange series of events that ended up working in my favor. Certainly, I was told there was no openings and I went there and I, I was also unsure. I was like, I, you know, I'm just going to end up back in Columbus here in a little bit. It's, it's, I'm going, it's done. There's no, 
the money left, let's maybe I should consider going back to medical school. You know, figure something out there. It was kind of my last, my last ditch thing. And yeah, basically, uh, I did the event uh, with Chef Wiley. It wasn't like planned. He just pulled me out from downstairs. I was just, uh, I was literally uh, compressing whey. Uh, some people might know what that is, but I'm putting putting like whey inside of a chamber sealer to pull the air out so we can use it for a duck dish. That's that's the level of food we're kind of doing over there. And uh, it's, a, it's a long task. You do it for like two hours. So I was just sitting there pressing this thing for like two hours. And he came down, he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm compressing whey, chef. And he's like, okay, well, you're coming with me. And I was like, uh-oh, he's either going to like beat me ever. I don't know what's going to happen right now. It's kind of scary because, you know, he's always, is very friendly person, but uh, tall in stature and just like, you know, very intimidating to, to work for somebody that you've like read so much about. And um, you know, it's, it's changed the, the landscape of the culinary industry because also um, his background was not cooking either. He was a, in philosophy. So he's made some huge changes in, in the cooking world and he didn't do it from a cooking background. So it's cool to see, see that and uh, kind of learn from that. At the end of the event, it was, complete, I mean, uh, I don't know if this PGA it's a it's a crap it was a crap show I'll say that it was it was a poop show uh, it was it was a complete disaster but we all kind of like smiled and got through it just like you would in a regular restaurant having that and then kind of like training in the background and actually doing like work on the line and you know being a chef at a restaurant before all those things helped so we just got through it and you know he was just like hey where are you working I was like well here and then going back home and he said uh, well you're not going to go back home you, we can give you a job here. And Chef de Cuisine at, at WD50, actually, Sam was like, you're not going to go over to his other restaurant coming here to WD because you were spending your time here. And that was a, you know, it's a weird moment because that's someone from Columbus back then. You're like, yeah, I can get into a Michelin star, like a restaurant. I, I can't do that. It's, I never thought I would actually be able to work in an experience like that. So I was just very grateful for the opportunity. And I was like, yeah, if I, if I got in and they believe in me, maybe I should try it. And even at the time, like, you know, changing career paths, it has other damage that it does in your life like it, it really shoots it, it blasts your confidence into like nothingness like you feel like nothing all the time so even when you're doing well in something you don't see it because it's not what you thought you were intended to do that does kind of last that might also help like some of the confidence issues and self-doubt that you see me experience quite a bit uh even on the tv and stuff it's like that was that that was that it's a uh, it's tough but <laughs> but uh, you can't overcome and uh, i think it's it's always a learning experience to so just be open to learning and yeah, in reading a lot of the interviews of colleagues that you've worked with, even here in Columbus, they really talk about your modesty. And they say, look, I've never seen him take a victory lap. And we do hear sometimes about chefs having rather large egos or having maybe an artistic temperament. And you couldn't be more <laughs> that's, that's, laid a, that's, back that's a nice way of saying it, yeah. <laughs> Hey, they have that in common with doctors, right? Yeah. Surgeons, doctors, <laughs> they're artists. And so I think that makes you really, really just so admirable in a lot of ways. And we just want to hear more about Top Chef. Obviously, um, for those that aren't aware, the episodes were released in April. I know you're being inundated with interview requests <laughs> and, and all kinds of, of, of media outlets. Absolutely a fan favorite. But anything you want to tell us about your experience? Well, that's another, it's another one of those steps in the career, you know, like you, I had never thought I was going to be on Top Chef. I never thought they would find someone from Ohio. I just thought, you know, it's, uh, it's some kind of ridiculous prank or joke. And, you know, it was 2020. And I said, okay, well, you know, everything has happened. So why, why not just let's see where this goes. And so uh, the process began. And every step of the process, you just sit there and you're like, did I, uh, am I it? Am I not in? And then they, you know, it just goes and goes and you're left with this like huge anxiety that uh, it's not actually going to happen. And even like when you're, when you're told that you're going, at least for me, I was like, nah, this is, this is still not happening. Um, and then before you know it, you're, you're in front of all the cameras and it starts and uh, you have 20 minutes and <laughs> you have to run as fast as possible. And I think that initial shock is one of the, like one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with uh, because uh, when you're in that sort of environment, 
and like you said, uh, some chefs have egos, some chefs have personalities, but every chef that has a restaurant, the restaurant is an extension of them. So they're used to it. That's their home. It's their environment. They have a staff that comes and, you know, they work for them, work with them, depending on the chef you talk to. Some of them have people work with them, some of them have people that they work with. They are more or less kind of in control of the situation of, of their home. So you're pulling them out of that next to 14 other people that are doing the exact same thing because there was no sous chefs this year. It was all executive chefs. Uh, you're, you're putting them all into one environment after they'd been like isolated because of, you know, COVID has, has changed everything. So everything was completely, completely like the level of stress was so high. I could not describe. We were just on one hand, we were so excited to see another human being. That was kind of cool to be like, oh, cool. You know, like we're all safe. We're, we're going to do this thing. And then on the other hand, you're like, oh crap, this is a competition. Like we got we to get, get through this. There is a timer and no matter what, like when the timer ends, you're done. So at the end of that, you get judged. And if you didn't get done, as you say, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to spoilers, but, and uh, one time, perhaps I had an issue with getting done uh, in time. And that, that's, it's a scary moment. Like, but you know, the thing that I get out of it is when I live that I, I've, again, the anxiety level was through the roof and it's not a way that I could describe to anyone else, but uh, people have anxiety and they have their own way of getting it. What I can share is uh, I went through that and I still feel it, but I'm glad that I went through it because if there's somebody else that is curious if they could do it, you absolutely could because I did. So it's, I'm not that good at what I do and I was able to qualify. So I think anyone else could do it too. You are so humble. Absolutely humble. And, you know, I just have a couple more questions here as we come to the end of our time together. Firstly, do you find Bengali roots in your cooking? And is it almost like inextricably tied to what you do, because I know for myself, I'm nowhere close to your level <laughs> of cooking, but it's inescapable, right? And so I just have to ask you, or based on your training, you know, are you able to sort of depart from some of that sometimes? I think the interesting thing is when you get to the higher levels of cooking, um, I'm not saying I'm part of them, but I've been cooking for a while. So once you get beyond, like when you start cooking, it's always you read a book, you read a recipe, you see something on the internet uh, and you do that and you build it and then you change one or two things and that becomes your dish, I guess. That's kind of like the seven or eight years ago, that's, that's kind of the stuff that we were doing. Um, and then as you go on, you go, why are people coming to visit me? Are they coming because I'm making someone else's food? Are they coming because I work at WD50? Are they coming because, you know, I work in Chinese? Or am I going to take my experience from all those places and apply them to, you know, my roots and see see what happens. And my roots are two. It's uh, I say I'm you know I'm I'm from Columbus and I'm from Bangladesh, right? My my parents are from Bangladesh and I was born in Columbus. So I, why can't I embrace both? You know, and my experience of Columbus is different than anyone else's experience of Columbus. Uh, some people grew up having um, you know Midwestern meals. My Midwestern meal was you know it's a uh, murgi jol and, and rice and chutki match stuff that people <laughs> a lot of people don't even know about. But that that was what I grew up with in Columbus. And obviously, if I can have that in Columbus, if I can call it Columbus, that's that's me, right? That's part of me. So difficulty is I wasn't trained in any, any Bangla restaurants or Indian restaurants, but my mom, I think, is a better better trainer than anyone else in any of those restaurants uh, because uh, every time she does something, she is in full control. When she does cooking or when she does catering, like in terms of people coming or catering our house, she will go and scream at them and say, you're doing this wrong. Like she, she does not, she does not <laughs> apologize. She thinks that bad food is, an, is inexcusable. So it's, it's cool to have that. Like, that is definitely like a, kind of in my backbone. I, I, I don't have the temper that she does. Her temper is very scary. We all, we all hide when she gets mad. Uh, but uh, the knowledge that is passed down through, uh, through generations does show up. I mean, a lot of the, the usage of some of the spices or the techniques that we do and things that like, you know, there's moments that I will get into conversations with people because they say, hey, this is not the way you do it. And I would say, no, that's, you're incorrect. It's a different culture's way of doing it. You can't just say this. It's food. It's important to people. It's, an, it's arguably the, the existence of society is food. So I find it strange that, you know, we'll have like a Western background or something. And someone will be like, hey, you didn't do this properly. This is proper Western thing. And I was like, well, I'm not making a Western dish. So why am I following the technique that you're telling me to make? You know, it's good to have an open mind. 
And what I'm having a hard time with sometimes, but I think has been some of the some of the better moments uh, in my career is to say that I can bring all my memories of childhood and all the food that I've eaten together into a dish. I think that's the ultimate thing. Like when when you want to do well as a chef, you want to you want to be able to express in a way that's not pretentious. You want people to, you know, you see the movie Ratatouille. That moment is something that's like it's very near and dear to us. To, to when people say, "Hey, this tastes like you know my childhood or like my mom, uh, my mom's cooking." That's what you want to hit, and I think you can do that across all different cultures because I think good food actually is just good food. I don't think there's anything anything too crazy about it, but uh, sometimes you can pull inspiration. So like, you know, the, the cheesy risk of crunch that I'm now going to die being known for, uh, was, was that was like, yeah, that was just my family going to Taco Bell. And then, you know, I like parata a lot and I like eating parata and then I like queso because yeah. my dad likes queso. And then I like the shred lettuce. I just combined all those things into a dish that no, it's not Taco Bell and no, it's not Western. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but it is absolutely like part of me. I mean, it's something that I, I thought I created because I wanted, I wanted to eat that. So I think that's like the, that's the connection. I don't think it should be forced because, again, I also accept every culture that comes to me. I'm like, this is amazing because you learn so much about food technique and history of society based on based on their cuisine. And with that, with that, I think it's good to pay respect. And then also, you go, hey, we're also contemporary society and, and our job as a chef is uh, people are paying money for this. So I got to make it worth their money. So, of course, I'm going to try and find and push as much as I can to say, hey, this is uh, something that seems very simple, but is actually very complicated until... Uh, until you know one of us gets hurt or something so <laughs> <laughs> well i have one final question for you and that is where can those from columbus locally find you currently i know the service bar is still one of your restaurants and and just any information on anyone that is interested yeah, currently i currently work at service bar at a middle of spirits so it's really cool it's a it's also like a distillery that's pretty badass because they they make everything from scratch and they have local they're they're using local roots. They use a uh, they use uh, local product, and um, their philosophy aligns with mine in terms of cooking. Is uh, at why why not contribute something by going all the way from beginning to end and controlling the entire process? And uh, but that's where I am. I've been for the last uh, man like six or seven years. So we were open for carryout. We're closed down for carryout currently uh, after Wednesday, and then are doing some renovations. But you can find me on social media and see what I'm up to currently. I I'm pretty active on there, and I post actually. Uh, this last year has gotten us to open up more with our guests. So I post a lot of the recipes and things that we do because I think anyone can do it. And everyone's like, how do you do it? I didn't think it was that interesting because, you know, we do it every day. We think it's kind of boring, but it seems like other people are like, wow, you, you do that? Like you put this on the fire? I was like, yeah, we, we put that on the fire. Like <laughs> every day we put it on the fire 500 times. I don't, I don't know why it's exciting, but we thought uh, we thought it'd be cool to share because I think the future of food is actually like in learning, right? And I think so for so many days, restaurants have had closed doors where they say, hey, I'm not going to tell you my secrets, but hey, I think everyone can t- have all my secrets because, you know, it's really hard to pull those off when you don't have a dishwasher and a staff. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's just, I think it's a good way to connect with people and that's uh, where we're, we're going to continue going and uh, hitting that while, while we're doing renovations and whatnot. We might do some pop-ups or some small things but I will usually announce them on there. So, Well, we really appreciate that. I will have a link in the podcast notes to your social media. And there's so many people that are just waiting for, yeah, what your next move is, what you're going to be doing. We really cannot thank you enough for joining us today. And this conversation, so inspiring. For anyone listening that maybe isn't sure what their career pursuits might be, facing undue pressure, follow your dreams. Um, yeah, just don't cook, I, um, don't cook professionally. It's really hard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, follow your dream. And I think like the, the more difficult thing is, even though it seems like sometimes it's not working out, it's like it's the iceberg thing. What people see is the surface. What they don't see is everything underneath it. And there's a lot of work and dedication that goes into it. And you got you to gotta love it. And if you love it and you do it, you will do well. I mean, that's just the way I think it works. Amazing. Thank you so much, Danny. We can't thank you enough. No, talk to you soon. Thanks so much.